Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Kylie Camps, and welcome to the podcast. This space is dedicated entirely to making a difference in the lives of women. I believe we all have a right and a responsibility to truly live our best lives. It all begins with curiosity, changing our thinking, and cultivating more self love. Through thoughtful conversations and shared experiences, I really hope that you can take something away from this podcast. I'm a business owner, a speaker, a sleep consultant, and mum of twin boys. I've also recently completed some training in the cognitive behavioral therapy space, and I'm super, super passionate about the ability that we all have to really improve our days. And ultimately, when we take ownership of improving our days, we're really improving our whole life. So let's get stuck into today's episode. Welcome to the very first episode for 2021. Happy New Year and welcome back. I'm really glad that you're here for today's episode. This podcast is a conversation with James Nestor, the author of Breath. And I will tell you a little bit more about James in just a moment. But before I dive into that, I wanted to take a minute to let you know This conversation is brought to you by Esme Skin Minerals. Esme is my go-to skincare brand. I do not use anything else. I have been consistently using them for years now and swear by them. Given that it is a new year, it may be the right time for you to consider resetting your skin. And if you're wondering what resetting your skin means, it's all about just noticing if it's time to make a bit of a change for the skin that you are in. Perhaps you are experiencing sensitivity or noticing that your skin is not behaving well. Esme can help you. They have a myriad of products that can start you on your journey to healthier skin, including the uncomplicated cleanser, the hyaluronic hydrating serum, which I swear by, and the probiotic skin milk, which comes in a couple of different formulas. Did you know that your skin has a natural layer that is invisible to the eye? That is called the skin barrier. Your skin barrier is a delicate ecosystem that needs to be treated with kind, gentle ingredients, not too acidic and not too alkaline, with ingredients that are just right to keep that invisible barrier thriving. Esme especially design bundles to reset and restart your skin journey to a more balanced barrier and happier skin. Esme have experienced skin service specialists available to chat seven days a week. Such a great service. You can email skin at esme.com.au, so S-K-I-N 
at esmi.com.au or jump over to their website and start a live chat with their team whilst you're on their site. Now, once you've made your selection of Esme products, make sure you use the code KCPOD, all in capitals, so KCPOD for 10% off site-wide. That does exclude the SPF and gift card range, but for everything else, you can save 10%, which really does go a long way when we're talking about high-quality skincare. So that code again for Esme.com is KCPOD. Now, let me tell you a little bit about today's guest. I was really, um, I was going to say excited, but I was a bit nervous, to be honest, to speak with James, because when you consume content from someone, and you might have experienced this yourself, perhaps, you know, there's someone that you follow online, and then you see them in real life, and it's just a weird juxtaposition of like, I know you, but I don't know you, I know a little bit about you, but it feels like a lot, and I'm familiar, but you have no idea who I am, that kind of thing. That's how I feel when it comes to interviewing guests that I've consumed a lot of their content. And now with James, I really enjoyed his book and I went for the audio version of it and I really loved hearing him read it. I think it's so cool when authors choose to also do the actual reading and the recording of their audio books. It just brings something else to it. So I was nervous. I was excited. I love this concept. And I think, I mean, I say concept, but it's really all about science. I love that this information is becoming more readily available. And I love that in James's book, it's easy to digest and it's fascinating. Now his book, Breath, I had seen it in my local bookshop. I had also seen it on my iBooks app on my phone, and I had kind of scrolled past it purely because I thought, oh, breath, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm there. Like I totally, I'm into breath works. I don't need any convincing. But then I heard James in an interview and I realized that whilst he does talk about breath works, he is actually so much more focused upon the actual habitual breathing, which is what we talk about in today's conversation. So In the book, he does speak about different breathing practices, but the thing that really stuck with me from listening to his book is how we are all breathing incorrectly a lot of the time. And I shouldn't say all because as James explains, it's a certain percentage, but many of us are breathing incorrectly. And it's not about going, okay, here's another area in life that we're not doing well. It's just about noticing that This is a foundation of health and perhaps some of the symptoms we're looking at, um, and they could be from medical to just plain inconvenient, but some of the symptoms that we're trying to address, perhaps these could be improved upon by addressing the way that we habitually breathe. And so I will let James explain all of that to you. He does a great job. We do dive straight into the conversation. So just for some context, James Nestor is an author and journalist who has written for Scientific American, Outside, The New York Times, The Atlantic, National Public Radio, The San Francisco Chronicle, and more. His latest book, Breath, The New Science of a Lost Art, 
was released this year in May and was an instant New York Times and London Sunday Times bestseller. Breath explores how the human species has lost the ability to breathe properly. This sounds a little bit far-fetched perhaps, but it's true. Snoring, sleep apnea, asthma, allergies, and even autoimmune diseases, just to name a few, are among the most prevalent diseases in the modern world. And all of them can be either exacerbated or sometimes caused by poor breathing. James spent years in labs and ancient burial sites working with researchers at Stanford University of Pennsylvania and other institutions to figure out what went wrong with our breathing and how to fix it. James lives and breathes in San Francisco. You can find him on Instagram at Mr. James Nestor and mrjamesnestor.com. I hope that you enjoy this conversation and definitely pick up a copy of his book. If you do enjoy it, make sure you take a screenshot, pop it up on Instagram and tag me at Kylie Camps and James as well. And I hope that you love the first episode of 2021. James, thank you so much for being here today. I've been so looking forward to speaking with you, not only because of your amazing book, but also because I really enjoy your voice. (laughs) I so love the audio version. It's incredible. Well, I hope I don't disappoint you by flubbing my voice up in any ways. We'll see what happens. I I think you're in the clear. You're all good. (laughs) Now, breathing is something that we kind of tend to assign to the no need to think about basket. It's like we just pop it in the automatic. It happens. It takes care of itself kind of area of life and keep moving forward. But in your book, you explain just why breathing and breath is such an important pillar of health that's often overlooked. And I know that there's no way you can answer this question in one conversation. That's why you have the book. But what are we doing wrong? (laughs) Well, it depends on who you are and how you're breathing and how you were brought up and if you're allergic to things. So in other words, there's so many things that can go wrong with our breathing and there's so many different inputs that can affect us. So some of us have an airway that's too small. Some of us have chronic obstruction in various areas of our airway. Some of us have chronic inflammation of our nose. Like this, this just goes on and on and on. But what this all means is that the vast majority of us are breathing in a dysfunctional way and it's having a huge effect on our health. Mm. And what are some of those effects that it's having on our health? Well, breathing is something we do about 20,000 to even 25,000 times a day. And if we're struggling to do that, imagine if you're doing anything else 20,000 times a day and you were just having to struggle a little bit to do it. Eventually it's going to wear you down. So what what I thought was, was so interesting is a lot of people know that unhealthy breathing habits can contribute to symptoms attached to asthma and other respiratory problems. But I had no idea that how we breathed could actually influence how susceptible we would be to getting diabetes, 
autoimmune diseases, to poor posture, to changes of the skeleture of our face. So breathing affects all of these things. And it's just something that a lot of people just aren't looking at. I've heard you say in other interviews as well, James, that for you, the way that we breathe is really more important than the food that we're eating. And I think when you really think about that, it puts it into perspective. And as you said, if we're doing this, you know, 25 odd thousand times a day with just a little bit of resistance, that adds up. Well, breathing is food. That's where we get the vast majority of our energy from oxygen and sometimes from from glucose, but it's mostly from breathing. So, you know, so many people are paying attention to eating all the right foods and, and that's great. Food is, has a huge influence on our health and I don't think there's anyone that would argue that at this time. But again, not a lot of people are looking at their breathing. So they're focusing on healthy eating. They're focusing on exercise. Maybe they're focusing on getting eight hours of sleep a day. But if you aren't breathing properly, you're never, ever going to be well. And I've just seen this time and time again. And I've learned this from so many researchers over the years. And one of the, like, I guess the biggest takeaway that I took from your book is the importance of breathing through your nose because so many of us just habitually breathe through our mouths. So about 25 to 50% of the population habitually mouth breathes. And I've heard that that percentage goes up when we sleep, something like 70% of us sleep with an open mouth. And a lot of us think like, who cares? I mean, I slept with an open mouth for decades and decades. I was mouth breathing for so long. And we have a mouth, why not breathe through it? But the air you take through your mouth is so drastically different than the air you take through your nose. So we have these noses, these incredible organs to help protect our bodies. So when we take air through our nose, we are pressurizing it, we're heating it, we're humidifying it, we're conditioning it so that by the time it gets to our lungs, we'll be able to extract oxygen so much more easily. When you're breathing through the mouth, you can think of your lungs as an external organ because they're exposed to everything in the environment. Our mouth serves none of those functions. And so mouth breathing 20 times a day is going to make you more susceptible to have respiratory problems. It's going to stress you out more. It can lead to inflammation. I mean, I could go down this laundry list of bummer maladies and there's no controversy about this. The stuff has been studied for decades and decades. And just as you were saying it then, James, thinking about mouth breathing and I have seven-year-old twin boys and both of them that's how I know they're asleep their little mouths drop open and they breathe through their mouth and one of my boys in particular has really struggled with tonsillitis and glandular mm -hmm. fever and he's had his tonsils out and I've heard you describe what what is called an adenoid face you know it's a longer face and I think that you mentioned like you know a little bit not only longer but hollow under the eyes is that mm-hmm yeah. yeah, so so this is this is a chronic problem when you have so many kids that struggle with sleep apnea and with snoring and we know that there's direct links between snoring and sleep apnea uh, especially sleep apnea and ADHD. It's not even correlated. Direct mm -hmm. link. Um, yeah. And also direct link to metabolic problems. But what a lot of people don't realize and what 
Christian Guimano down at Stanford had studied for 50 years was that even if we have a slight resistance, even if we're not diagnosed with snoring and sleep apnea, just struggling a little bit can have downstream effects on our health. And so what what you described, I have heard probably 200 times in the past few years. And I suffered from a lot of this growing up too. I had no idea. My parents had no idea that mouth breathing was, was bad for health. But if you think about it, eight hours a day, you're taking in dust, you're taking in allergens. If there's a little bit of mold, you're taking that in. And you, you're causing yourself so much undue wear and tear at the time when you need to be resting and restoring. And with tonsils and adenoids, that's, that's very typical as well, too, because you're exposing yourself to that cold, untreated air all the time. And so this, they, they have this term for it. If, if you mouth breathe for long enough, you actually influence the skeleture of your face. You influence how you're going to look and you tend to have a longer face, just like I do. <laughs> I mean, I, I definitely have this and it can influence uh, your teeth as well. Uh, they found that oral posture can influence whether or not um, it can influence. It doesn't determine hundred percent. Um, uh, the straightness of your teeth. So, so, you know, humans are the only species on the planet who have chronically crooked teeth. We're the only ones. And we weren't always this way. It's so fascinating. I found those, those parts in your book in particular really, really interesting. And when I was listening to you speak throughout the whole book, it made me breathe through my nose because, you, you know, it just brings so much awareness to it. And I guess my question is, I think I have been a habitual mouth breather and same thing again overnight, breathe through my mouth. I think that I have that longer face as well that one of my little guys has, which is interesting because they're identical twins, but one definitely has a longer face. And, you know, just hearing you explain it, I was like, oh, that all makes sense because he's my little guy that has the tonsil problems and everything mm-hmm. like that. But I guess my question is, is this just a matter of retraining our brains to breathe through our nose? Or is there something that we can do um, to help us breathe through our nose? <laughs> It really depends on the person. So some people absolutely need surgical interventions. What I've found is most people don't. They need to retrain themselves to breathe through their their noses, especially when you're young. Like once you reach middle age like me, you know, it's really hard to change change your body. Everything, Mm. the foundation is set. But when you're younger, yeah, it's locked. You can still change it. Like I I showed, I increased my airway size by 15 to 20% in some areas after a year of healthy breathing habits and correct oral posture. So it can definitely change. It's harder. But when you're developing, especially at that age and you're developing very quickly, you can reverse some of these things. There's something called myofunctional therapy, which is actually a training technique, a whole school of training techniques that correct poor oral posture. And by correcting oral posture, you will be able to breathe better You'll be able to get more energy. You'll be able to operate more efficiently. Your brain will operate better, will develop better. I mean, I could give you a whole list of the benefits to it. So um, there are various things you can do, but it really starts with shutting your mouth. And if you struggle at night to do that, if you say, oh, my nose is plugged up. Oh, I can't quite do that. You have to find a way of clearing your nose. I mean, that it's as simple as that. It's going to be really hard for anyone to actually share in good health 
being a mouth breather, period. Uh, I know that seems crazy, but but the science is very clear on this. And especially for kids, there's so many new uh, therapies and practices that that kids can do and, and learn and, and really reverse a lot of the problems that they've had. And so when you say oral posture, what are we talking about? Correct oral posture is to have the teeth together, not touching. They can touch very slightly, but a little bit of space, maybe a couple millimeters between the teeth, the tongue on the roof of the mouth. And when you do this, when the tongue is on the roof of the mouth, the airway opens. Right now, if you open your mouth, you're going to feel everyone's doing it right now. <laughs> you're going to feel your, yeah, try writing a book about this stuff for four years. It makes you a complete freak. Um, <laughs> But uh, this is something that Dr. Stephen Park taught me. He said, when you open your mouth, you can feel your tongue rocking back into your throat. And it's going to help to obstruct your airways. So they have various little tricks to do this with, with kids to just train them to keep their mouths shut and to breathe through their noses. Patrick McEwen has this wonderful stuff called myotape. I know this sounds pretty weird, but it's not. It's this <laughs> colorful little tape stuff that goes around the mouth. So kids can open their mouth at any time. They can talk, but it just gently trains them to keep the mouth shut so that they breathe through their noses. And this will, uh, as, as I mentioned, when you have correct oral posture, when you're nasal breathing, it can change the way your face is developing. Not only that, it changes the way your body uses air and it allows it to relax and restore so much more easily. And speaking of tape, I know that you also sleep with tape over your mouth as well, don't you? Yeah, uh, my wife is very happy about that. Uh, so <laughs> don't talk, visual. <laughs> talk too much. Um, but, uh, you know, this was something that sounded totally crazy to me when I first heard about it a few years ago. And then I was down at the uh, lab at Stanford and I ran into Dr. Ann Kearney, who is a doctor of speech language pathology down at Stanford. And she had this big roll of tape on her desk and she's like, oh, I prescribe this to all of my patients. And I've heard this from so many different doctors. So this is not, to be clear, like a fat strip of duct tape. This is not a hostage situation. This is using just a teeny piece of surgical tape with this very easy adhesive. You can open your mouth at any time and it just trains you to close your mouth. And I have found that anecdotally, um, this made an incredible impact on, on my health and my sleep quality. And I saw that by measuring myself throughout several nights, throughout weeks and weeks. And I've heard this from, from literally hundreds and hundreds of people. I'm not saying it's going to work for everyone, but people who had mild or even moderate snoring and even sleep apnea have used this and they no longer suffer from these problems. And, and again, there's, it makes perfect sense. And yet so few people know about the benefits of sleeping with a closed mouth at night. I'm going to try it. And just on a practical note, do you pop it like vertically across your mouth? <laughs> well, <laughs> I want the details. <laughs> different strokes for different folks. Uh, you know, everyone's got their own way of doing it. They have this stuff called Somnifix, which is 
and sleep tape specifically for this. So they sell that. Um, I use a little piece about the size of a postage stamp. I think the postage stamps in Australia are a little bigger than the ones out here, but just a little, little piece. And I take off a little bit more of the adhesive with, with my thumb and I stick it right at the center of my mouth. And this is going to be awful for the first first few nights by the way everyone don't don't expect some panacea you're gonna have to work at this for a little while you're gonna rip it off you're gonna hate it because anything that's been a habit for decades is gonna take a while to break but i've noticed it usually takes about a week of discomfort to where you're like oh wow geez i feel so much better uh and the next morning i'm not drinking a ton of water my mouth isn't dry and that that's another reason that uh, sleeping with an open mouth is really bad because it makes your mouth acidic which leads to cavities cavities directly related to to mouth breathing who, who would have thought well dennis knew this a hundred years ago but it's just making it you know to, to our times right now so so that's what i do different people use different methods but you just find something that works for you that's comfortable and and give it a little time to soak in mm, brilliant and speaking of things that work for you or perhaps things that don't work for you you went through a bit of an experiment throughout writing this book where you effectively plugged your nose was it for 10 days yeah that's right just just to experience life as a proper mouth breather what happened what was that like <laughs> Yeah, you know, when I had the idea to do this, I was talking with Dr. Jayakar Nayak down at Stanford, and he liked the idea. He said, well, you're going to be pretty miserable. But the, the whole concept wasn't to do some sort of jokester stunt. It was to lull ourselves into a position that so many people in our population already already experience every single day, every single night, right? 25 to 50%. That's, that's a lot. So, um, the experiment was set up 10 days of mouth breathing, 10 days of nasal breathing. Then we would compare data sets and we knew it wasn't going to be fun, but how dramatic and how drastic it was. No, no one expected within a couple hours, my blood pressure was as high as I've, I've ever seen it my whole life. And that night I, for the first time that I'm aware of, I snored and I snored for an hour and a half. And as the experiment went on, we were started getting worried about our health. I started snoring for four hours, uh, from zero minutes to four hours. The other subject in the study was suffering even worse than me. We we're fatigued. Um, I mean, every, our athletic performance plummeted. We felt awful. And the, the great news about this is we then got to spend 10 days nasal breathing and guess what happened? Uh, the snoring completely disappeared. It went down to about 30 minutes, the first night of nasal breathing to zero minutes. A few days later, sleep apnea disappeared. Blood pressure went way down, dropped by about 15, 20 points. I mean, it was just crazy. And to think that so many people are walking around now habitually breathing through their mouths and, and not knowing why they're suffering from so many problems. It's, it's just nuts. Mm, I can only imagine it would have felt like a very long 10 days while you were experiencing all of that. <laughs> yeah. In, in theory, it's a great idea. Oh, 10 days, but in practice, not so great. Um, now, in your... Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Talk as well. You speak about the link between breath and the way that we breathe with mental conditions, you know, such as depression, anxiety, and I think that you even reference eating disorders as well. Well, we know a few things about fear-based disorders, be that panic, anxiety, anorexia, on and on and on, is these populations typically breathe way beyond their metabolic needs. They breathe too much, and they tend to breathe more often through their mouth. And this is also true with asthmatics. And the studies that have been done have shown that their carbon dioxide levels are very low, much, much lower than the rest of us because they're breathing so much, so quickly <sighs> like that, that they off gas too much CO2. So what happens when we breathe this way, we stimulate a stress response in our body, which stimulates inflammation, which sends messages to our brain that we need to run away from danger or to fight it. So this is the sympathetic stress, right? And people who suffer from chronic anxiety and panic, if they continue breathing this way, they're just in this negative feedback loop where the messages their bodies are sending their brains is of constant stress. So they just stay in this state. Now, I'm not going to say breathing is going to work for everyone all the time. I would never say that, but it's been a very powerful tool for many psychiatrists. And, and again, that there's books on this, there's tons of scientific studies on this, on the effect of just focusing on your breathing, of breathing slowly, of breathing through your nose, of maybe doing some breathing practices, of what that does for your levels of anxiety and even depression and even autoimmune issues and even asthma. I mean, it's just, it just it's crazy. On, but, but at the same time, it's, it's not too much of a leap because if you're doing, again, if you're doing something dysfunctionally all the time, your body can just not keep up with that, right? It's constantly battling to just compensate and keep you alive and not allow you to rest and restore. And it's funny because it's almost almost to your ears. It sounds counterintuitive because when someone is panicking, when they're having anxiety, when they're having obsessive thoughts, the first thing that, you know, people that love them tell them to do is take a deep breath. And it's like a deep breath through your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, one, one of the main researchers in this field, Dr. Alicia Moret at Southern Methodist University, she went to Harvard and Stanford. She's really, the, I would consider, the, the top researcher in breathing and anxiety and panic and even asthma right now. She said this is very bad advice. What people need to do is to take control of their breath, focus their breath, breathe through their noses and breathe these long, fluid and light breaths into their bellies. This deep diaphragmatic breath, this calms the body down. So the reason why so many people with panic and asthma and anxiety breathe too much is because holding their breath or breathing slowly triggers a, a claustrophobia for them because they associate that with an attack. So what they do in asthmatics, I've seen this a zillion times as well. They say, Oh my God, I'm having asthma. Attack. I need to breathe. I can't breathe. And the more you breathe like that, the more you are exacerbating the attack. 
you need to do the opposite and take control of your breathing and start to breathe more slowly to help reverse that. And Alicia Moret's studies on this are phenomenal because she's shown that people with panic, so people suffering from real panic attacks, after focusing on their breathing after just four weeks, something like over 40% were no longer having attacks. And a year later, after that study concluded, 96% said they were either much improved or very much improved just by focusing on their breath. So important. And you touched on the role of carbon dioxide just briefly there, but I found the way that it function it functions in our system really, really interesting and not something that we speak about that often given how important it is. But can you just talk to us a little bit about why we need carbon dioxide? Sure. So carbon dioxide gets this really bad rap and, and rightfully so. There's too much CO2 in the atmosphere right now and it is causing global warming, acidity of the ocean. If you don't believe that, then uh, you're wrong because that's, that's just what's it's it's measured. There's a and thousand the studies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So sorry, you, you just got to start with that. So a lot of people think that CO2 is this dangerous, toxic waste gas, but not so in our bodies. We need a balance of carbon dioxide and oxygen to operate, to function effectively and efficiently. And too many of us breathe too much, which means we have lower levels of carbon dioxide, which makes it harder for our bodies to extract and use oxygen. It's so counterintuitive, but this is basic biology 101, and we've known this stuff for 115 years. So the way to get that balance is you breathe more slowly and by breathing more slowly that co2 can naturally come up to its proper level which is another reason why breathing through the nose is so beneficial if you take a breath through your mouth and exhale okay that took about a half a second try taking that same breath through your nose takes a lot longer and because it takes longer, that allows the body to maintain that proper level of CO2. And uh, here's another trick you can do. If you think that breathing more will get you more oxygen, all you have to do is breathe about 20 or 30 big deep breaths and you'll feel some tingling or some numbness in your fingers or lightness in your head. That is not from an increase of oxygen to these areas, but a decrease of circulation. So CO2 plays a vital role in circulation in the body, which is another reason why nasal breathing and breathing slowly, you can feel your fingertips start to warm up, right? You can feel your body start to warm up because circulation is increasing throughout all these areas. And that's exactly what you want. Absolutely. And speaking about, I guess, circulation and things of that nature, something I have noticed just personally in the last kind of 18 months is I have developed a propensity to hold my breath and not notice it. So I will be walking around and I'll think, what, like, why am I holding my breath? Like, what's wrong? And it's, you know, I've had lots of things happening just personally, lots of moving parts that are attributing to this kind of underlying stress, but I'm noticing it. Like I'm catching myself holding my breath and I have to be so mindful not to do that. Now, holding your breath, I'm guessing that's bad. (laughs) (laughs) So I, you know, I'll just reassure you, you were in 
good company. Uh, one estimate is that 80% of office workers suffer something called email apnea. It's the academic name is like continuous partial attention syndrome. Uh, Margaret Chesney, who's right down the street from me at UC University of California, San Francisco, has been studying this for about 20 years. And this is so typical in, in the modern world when we all are carrying these different levels of stress to hold our breath because that's a response to a perceived threat. If you think about mm. what we were doing you know, 20,000, 30,000 years ago on back, what happened when a woolly mammoth came up? You either hold your breath or you <laughs> breathe really fast to get more energy so you could fight or run away. But now we're so sensitized to threats and to stress that even the smallest thing can Just elicit this response. Threat perceived threat that's that's mm -hmm. exactly right and i wanted to see i heard about this when i was talking to dr chesney i was like oh that's interesting so i wore a pulse oximeter for a few weeks that enabled me to look at my oxygen levels throughout the day i just wore this thing all day my breathing was so dysfunctional i was holding my breath all the time whenever i was focusing so that's exactly the time when you need to breathe you need to breathe properly you need those full rich breaths so luckily once you acknowledge this stuff once you become aware of it you can fix it and it just has an incredible benefit to you for your energy levels for your focus and for your stress levels it helps you perceive things in more of a reasoned way well, I definitely am aware of it. And it's something I'm working on. And I've had so many positive experiences from just, as you said, being aware and striving to improve my breathing. I had a breathworks class. And prior to this breathworks class, I had not had a period in like six months, went into this breathing experience. So it was so cathartic, like it was a real emotional release, but it just almost recalibrated the way I was breathing. And then you know, within a couple of days, my cycle yep. returned. Like it's just all so connected and so fascinating. Um, and that's, just... that's a, oh, sorry. No, go no, ahead. you go, go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, you know, a lot of us in, in the Western world, we're used to Western medicine working that way. We have an infection, we take a pill, we're all better. What a wonderful thing. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of Western medicine. J just to be clear, my father-in-law is a pulmonologist. My brother-in-law is an ER doctor. So there's, there's doctors in the family. We talk about all this stuff all the time. But some other things, some other functions, Western medicine is not very good at, which is these low-grade, chronic, milder diseases. We only address them when they get full-blown and they threaten our lives. So breathing is a great example of this. And breathing classes are great. They're great to reacquaint you with this wonderful thing called our breath. But unless you carry those lessons forward, they're not going to do much help. So it's all about mm -hmm. establishing a new habit so that you don't have to think about your breathing. The point of this isn't to walk around with a notepad and feel bad every time you're, you know, holding your breath. It's to acclimate your body to what healthy breathing is so that it just does it automatically. And have you found that there are some sort of, I guess, universal ways to help encourage people to develop the habit, such as like my mind straight away went to setting a timer on your phone of just reminding yourself, whether it's every hour, like, you know, just those sorts of prompts. 
timers on phones I found worked worked great for me. It's simple. It's free. Mm. Anyone can do it. Um, you know, different things work for different people. There are so many apps out right now that um, can either guide you with a tone or they have visual cues as well. I like the tone because what I do is I start this app, I place it on my desk in the morning when I open my computer and there's like 70 emails and they all need my attention immediately. My breathing goes to hell. So having this little guide, it's a, just a kind of a simple tone, just and you just follow that and so that can train you right out of the gate at the beginning of a day how mm-hmm. to breathe more properly but you know there's a bunch of different ways to do this um but i would suggest people start with a timer start with every hour then go to every half an hour and it can just buzz once maybe it's a little bell that's like oh i'm going to focus on my breathing right now and that's a good place to start and striving for progress i guess and not perfection Exactly. Yeah. And now one other area that I wanted to touch on before I let you go is children. And in particular, I'm really fascinated because you speak about the importance of chewing and, you know, baby led weaning is, um, it's been a movement for a while now. Mm-hmm. When my boys were little, it wasn't as big and I went down the path of solids. And now I've got quite a few parents that follow along online and one of the questions I'm often asked is is there anything you would do differently and I have always said if I was to go back the one thing I would change is I would do baby led weaning because I did purees and my two boys have been fussy eaters their whole life they're they're better now but still not great and you know who knows whether it's definitely attributed to this but I wish that I had focused more on their chewing skills from a younger age. And so I would just love to hear your opinion on toddlers and chewing and even children. um, And I guess us as adults as well. So there's a reason why the human mouth has grown so small, why the vast majority of us have crooked teeth. And because of that, why we have so many airway problems, it's because we stopped chewing. Um, and all of these problems came about during the industrial revolution when we started, uh, processing food and we started uh, eating all of this soft, mushy, bottled and canned stuff. So, This is Robert Corcini studied this for 20 years, 30 years. He has 250 papers on it. And it's it's very clear that chewing stress, especially when you're young, is imperative to develop the proper skeleture to develop a a healthier mouth. And it really starts in infancy with with breastfeeding versus bottle feeding. Now, I'm a I'm a dude and I'm not gonna talk about that, you know, say everyone needs to be breastfeeding all the time. I've no, no place to do that, but it's a but safe if you, space. <laughs> if you, if you look at the, if you look at the studies and you look at the difference between kids who have been breastfed versus those who have been bottle fed, those who are been breastfed will have a lower incidence of snoring and sleep apnea later on in life. I've heard studies of a good friend of mine, you know, had twins. One, uh, was a was breastfed. The other wanted to be bottle fed. They look different. One has uh, crooked teeth. The other doesn't. So to me, it makes mm. perfect sense. You know, someone told me this is science is ten percent facts and ninety percent common sense. So when when you're that young and impressionable, to have your face getting pulled out and to use these muscles 
to build stronger bones. And baby led weaning is a is a great way of doing that. And and again, that the science is is really clear on this. They've even done these studies with animals, with pigs, where they fed one group hard chow and the other the same exact chow that was softened with water. And they grew up looking different, <laughs> you know? <laughs> one had op- more open airways and, and, and proper jaw structure and the other didn't. So, uh, you know, I think that those, those two things are, are really imperative. Also, the last thing I'll, I'll mention is I think it's really important for kids, e- even at uh, age one and a half to two, to go and see a dentist, not for their teeth, but for their airways. Because a lot of kids now suffer from snoring and sleep apnea. Some parents think it's cute that their kid is snoring. To have an infant snore all night is, uh, th- this is so damaging to the body and to the development of, of the brain and, and even affects how, how the bones will grow. It will affect height. I mean, it's just crazy. Um, so, so I think those things are very important. Uh, myofunctional therapists are very important and there's people who specialize in this out in Australia. Sharon Moore is, I would consider her a world expert in, in working with kids, working with infants to develop proper oral posture and airway health. It's so fascinating. I've just written down her name. I'll have to reach out to her because I think this is a topic that, again, it's one of those ones that it's rarely spoken about, but it makes so much sense. (laughs) So before I let you go, I will ask just a couple of rapid fire questions because it's nice to get to know our guests on a different level. Um, So firstly... What is one book that you would recommend as a must-read book? I think Self-Reliance by Ralph Waldo Emerson is a must-read book for everybody. Self-Reliance, brilliant. And can you remember and will you share what the last thing is that you Googled? (laughs) It was a scientific thing. Uh, It was what foods will stimulate the most nitric oxide release when masticated because nitrates interact with enzymes in the mouth to produce nitric oxide, which is also produced in the nose, which helps with vasodilation. So that is what Googled. I've definitely never had anyone respond with that as their last Googled thing. So brilliant. Um, What is a habit that you're most proud of? I think being flexible as a journalist, it's vital that you be flexible. You know, science is not a closed book. It is constantly changing and you have to be willing to look at new data and to be flexible in your belief system to accept new data and to change the way you thought about something depending on what the studies say. I think that that's something that's becoming an increasingly short supply, but I think it's vital if we're going to keep science moving forward. Brilliant. And a habit that you're least proud of, or perhaps we need to ask your wife for that one. (laughs) I think the fact that uh, I, when I'm talking, which has been quite often lately, I'm breathing through my mouth all the time. Um, And then I, I will take this as an opportunity just to address something that I didn't address earlier is all of the stuff I'm talking about is about habitual breathing. So there's some yoga, uh, pranayama methods, Sudarshan Kriya that have you <gasps> breathe through your mouth perfectly fine because that's a practice. So the stuff we've been discussing is habitual breathing. And if you're laughing, you're breathing through the mouth, 
don't stop laughing, people. Laugh as much as you want. It's just during the rest of the time, breathe through your nose and you really experience some benefits. Thank you. And do you have a TV series, movie or documentary that you are watching at the moment or that you recommend? Oh, man. Uh, I don't have a TV. I do have a computer. And uh, I sort of celebrated last night uh, because I just got done with a huge project and watched that uh, Bee Gees documentary who were from Australia, spent a lot of time in Australia. And uh, it was incredible. So I will admit, I'm I'm quite a fan of their earlier psychedelic stuff. And uh, so it was great just to see um, some lives richly lived. Oh, there you go. And funnily enough, I have a family connection to the Bee Gees somewhere way back along the line, cousins of cousins of cousins or something like that. So that's funny. Um, but I would love to know, do you have a favorite quote or perhaps words that you live by? A quote I refer to often is ambition is the last refuge of failure. And what I mean by that, or the way I interpret that, that was by Oscar Wilde, is you can sit and hem and haw and make all these plans, but unless you actually start doing stuff, nothing's going to change. So it's, it's more about just sitting down and doing the work and making things happen than to make these flighty plans of, of all the stuff you're supposed to be doing but aren't. Mm, taking action. Taking action. Yeah, I could have just said that. Wow, <laughs> my new editor. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. It has been an absolute pleasure to speak with you today. Your book, Breath, is brilliant. I encourage all of our listeners to grab a physical copy or to download the audio version because it is so worth the read and the listen. So thank you for the work that you've done and congratulations on finishing another project. Thanks a lot for having me. A pleasure. Where can our audience connect with you? Uh, my website is a good place to start. MrJamesNestor.com. That's MR. Some other jerk took James Nestor. So I had to Did put an MR. Hate it when that that. I know. Some sculptor in Michigan, too. That's Rude. just in, insult to injury. Um, so MrJamesNestor.com. I've included uh, the entire bibliography uh, for free. You can see it on the site. There's about 500 scientific references. There's breathing techniques. There's advice on infants and breathing from a Harvard professor on there. All this stuff is free. I'm just trying to provide a, a service for people to, to learn about this in, in different ways. I'm also on um, this thing called social media. Uh, I don't know if you've heard about it. Uh, it's pretty new to me, but uh, I'm on Instagram and I'm just posting things that have to do with breathing. And I just posted a picture of Barry Gibb up there because he was mouth taping. I found a picture I of saw. him mouth taping. <laughs> I so have a we little, have come, little stalk of your account. <laughs> we have come full circle here. I mean, how about we? that? <laughs> <laughs> it all makes sense. Well, again, thank you so much for your time and for the work that you've done. Thank you very much. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.